true. Nervous? I'm very, very nervous. I bet you're wondering why. The disease had sharpened my senses, not destroyed, not dulled them. Above all, my sense of hearing was the sharpest. I heard all things in heaven and on earth. I heard many things in hell. Of course, I'm batshit crazy. Listen to my story. I'll tell you everything exactly how it happened. It's impossible to say how the first idea entered my brain, but once I had the thought, it haunted me day and night. I loved my husband. Yes, he was much older, much older than me, but he was perfect. He never did anything wrong. He never hurt me. I wasn't after his money. But there was something in his eye that bothered me. Yes, his eye. One of his eyes looked like the eye of a vulture, a pale blue eye with film over it. It was disgusting. Whenever it looked at me, my blood ran cold. After a while, I couldn't take it anymore. I'm sure you understand. I decided that the only way to rid myself of the eye forever was to kill him. Now, this is probably the point that you think I acted impulsively, like some psycho murderer. But you should have seen me. You should have seen how carefully I proceeded, with what caution, with what foresight, with what attention to detail I went to work. I was so nice to the old man the whole week before I killed him. He had no idea what was coming. Every night, about midnight, I turned the doorknob and opened it, oh, so gently. And then, when I had made an opening for my head, I moved it slowly, very, very slowly, so that I might not disturb the old man's sleep. It took me an hour to place my whole head within the opening so far that I could see him as he lay upon his bed. Ha! Would a madman have been so careful as this? And then my head was well into the room. I turned on my iPhone light, just so much that a single thin ray of light fell upon his vulture eye. And this I did for seven nights, every night, just at midnight. But I found the eye was always closed, and so it was impossible to do the work. For it was not the old man who bothered me, but his evil eye. And every morning when the day broke, I burst into his room and called out to him, calling him by name in a loving tone and asking how he had slept that night. So he had no idea. He never suspected that every night, just at 12, I looked upon him while he slept. cautious in opening the door to think that there I was opening the door little by little and he didn't wake up or even dream of my murderous thoughts I laughed at the idea and I think maybe he heard me he moved on the bed suddenly as if startled now you may think that I backed away at this point but no 
His room was filled with darkness. The blinds were closed, and so I knew that he couldn't see the opening of the door, and I kept pushing on it steadily, steadily. I had my head in and was about to turn on my cell phone light when I accidentally dropped my phone on the ground, and the old man sprang up in bed, crying out, Who's there? I kept quite still and said nothing. For a whole hour, I did not move a muscle, and in the meantime, I didn't even hear him lie down. He was still sitting up in bed listening. Suddenly, I heard a slight groan, and I knew it was the groan of mortal terror. It was not a groan of pain or of grief. Oh, no. It was the low, stifled sound that arises from the bottom of the soul. I knew that sound well. Many a night, just at midnight, when all the world slept, it welled up inside me, deepening with its terrifying echo, the terrors that distracted me. I say I knew it well. I knew what the old man felt and pitied him, although I honestly found it funny. I knew that he had been lying awake ever since the first slight noise when he had turned in the bed. His fears had been growing and growing. He had been trying to push them away, but he couldn't. He had been saying to himself, It's nothing but the wind. It's only a mouse crossing the floor. Yes, he had been trying to comfort himself, but it was all in vain, all in vain, because death, in approaching him, had stalked with his black shadow before him and enveloped the victim. And it was the mournful influence of the unperceived shadow that caused him to feel, although he neither saw nor heard, to feel the presence of my head within the room. When I had waited a long enough time, very patiently, without hearing him lie down, I decided to bend down and pick up my phone. You cannot imagine how stealthily, stealthily, until I illuminated a simple dim ray of light like the thread of a spider onto the vulture eye. It was open, wide, wide open, and I grew furious as I stared into it. I saw it with perfect distinctness, all a dull blue with a hideous veil over it that chilled the very marrow in my bones. But I could see nothing else of the old man's face or body for I had directed the light as if by instinct precisely upon the damned spot. makes one wrapped in cotton. I knew that sound well too. It was the beating of the old man's heart. It incensed me further as the beating of a drum gets the soldier ready for war. But I refrained and kept still. I barely breathed. I held my phone motionless. I tried steadily to maintain the ray upon the eye. Meanwhile, the hellish beat of the heart increased. It grew quicker and quicker and louder and louder every instant. The old man's terror must have been extreme. It grew louder. I say louder in every moment. Do you believe me now when I tell you that I am nervous? I am. 
And now at the dead hour of the night, amid the dreadful silence of that old house, so strange a noise as this excited me to uncontrollable terror. Yet for a few minutes longer, I refrained and stood still. seized me. The sound would be heard by a neighbor. The old man's hour had come. With a loud yell, I leaped into the room. He screamed once, only once. In an instant, I dragged him to the floor and pulled the heavy bed over him. I then smiled. The deed was done. But for many minutes, the heartbeat went on with a muffled sound. This, however, didn't bother me. It wouldn't be heard through the wall. After a while, it stopped. The old man was dead. I removed the bed and examined the corpse. Yes, he was stone cold dead. I placed my hand upon the heart and held it there. There was no pulse. He was actually dead. His eye wouldn't bother me anymore. If you still think I'm crazy, you won't think so anymore when I tell you the extreme precautions I took when concealing the body. I worked quickly that night in silence. First, I dismembered the corpse. I cut off the head and the arms and the legs. Then I took up three planks from the floor and deposited all his body parts there. I then replaced the floorboard so cleverly, so cunningly, that no human eye, not even his, could have detected anything was wrong. There was nothing to wash out, no stain of any kind, no blood splot whatever. I had been too careful for that to happen. I chopped him up in a tub. Ha! <laughs> when I had finished everything, it was four o'clock, still dark as midnight. Suddenly, there was a knocking at the door. I went down to open it. A calmness washed over me, for what had I to fear? There entered three men who introduced themselves as police officers. A scream had been heard by a neighbor during the night. Suspicion of foul play had been aroused. Information had been logged at the police office, and they, the officers, had a warrant to search the premises. <laughs> I smiled. For what had I to fear? I welcomed the gentleman in. The scream, I said, was my own. I had a nightmare. The old man, I mentioned, was absent in the country. 
I took my visitors all over the house. I let them search, search well. I led them around, led them to his bedroom, feeling confident. I brought chairs into the room, told them to rest their legs, while I, in the wild audacity of my perfect triumph, placed my own seat upon the very spot beneath which the corpse of the victim laid. The officers were satisfied. I had totally won them over. They sat, and while I answered all their questions with ease, they talked amongst themselves about whatever. But all of a sudden, I felt myself getting sick to my stomach, and I just wanted them gone. My head ached, and I swear I heard a ringing in my ears. But still they sat and still chatted. The ringing became more distinct. It continued and became more distinct. I talked more freely to get rid of the feeling. But it continued until at length I found that the noise was not within my ears. No doubt I knew my face was looking very pale, but I talked more fluently and with a heightened voice. much like the sound a watch makes when enveloped in cotton. I gasped for breath, and yet the officers didn't notice. I talked more quickly, more vehemently, but the noise steadily increased. I arose and argued about absurdities in a high tone of voice and with violent hand gestures, but the noise steadily increased. Why? Why the hell was this happening? I paced back and forth, but the noise steadily increased. Oh God, what could I do? I foamed, I raved, I swore. I swung the chair upon which I had been sitting and grated it upon the floorboards, but the noise arose and continually increased. It grew louder and louder and louder. And still the men chatted pleasantly and smiled. Was it possible they couldn't hear it? No, no, they heard, they suspected, they knew. They were making a mockery of my horror this I thought and this I think but anything was better than this agony anything was more tolerable than this I couldn't stand those hypocritical smiles any longer I felt that I must scream or die and now again listen louder 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 louder
I shrieked. I admit it. I confess. Tear up the floorboards right here. Make it stop. Make it fucking stop. The beating of his hideous heart. I hear it still. I hear it still. It haunts me to this day.